Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus through these messages from our weekend worship gatherings. If you got a Bible, I encourage you to go ahead and open it. First Samuel is where we're gonna be today. We're gonna start around chapter 14 and kind of move beyond there. If you got a Bible, pull it up on your phone. It will be on the screens. Yeah. I know that there's times when stuff happens in the world and there's an expectation for me to react from this platform. But I made a commitment a long time ago that I would never preach in reaction to what was happening to culture but I would only preach in response to what the Spirit was leading. Because I just feel like that's better. Because there's always something in culture to respond to, is there not? (laughs) There's always something that could elicit a reaction. And I believe that if I will preach in response to the Holy Spirit, then he will deliver the principles that you need to live in the culture no matter what it brings your way. And even as I have watched things unfold this week, I'm more convinced and feel more a sense of affirmation that the things that God had laid on my heart to preach as we open this year are things that we need. Because the reality is we are in a war and we always have been. But it's not against who you think and it isn't waged where you think. That we are in a spiritual battle that was unleashed the moment the enemy stepped in the garden and started telling Adam and Eve that God didn't really say what God really said. And it is a war that we have been losing far too often since that moment. You are in a war, but it isn't against people that look different than you. You are in a war, but it isn't against people that have even a different ideology than yours. You are in a war, but it is not in the deep people, with the people that stand in a different political position than you. You're in a war that's spiritual and you have an enemy that wants to devour you and he wants to manipulate all those other things so that he wins and we will not allow it. And that war is waged in here, in your own heart and the frontline battlefield is your mind. And what I hope to do in this series is lean in to the only thing that we have to give us victory, the word of God. I'm preaching, y'all better come on, come with me. Let's go, all right? I I was wore out after nine o'clock, but now I am rejuvenated. I drank me a protein shake and I'm ready to go. (laughs) Had a bagel, some carbs, I'm ready to roll. I might crash after, anyway. You're in a war and it's waged from within. And the reality is your greatest enemy is the one looking at you in the mirror. That this enemy in you wants to leverage the things in you to bring you down. And the reality is, you don't have to keep losing. 
And this is not a self-help series. This is a reminder that the moment that you met Jesus and he blotted out your transgressions and emptied you of your sin because of his sacrifice, he put the Holy Spirit in your heart. And now you have more power than you realize. And you don't have any excuse not to be victorious because the same spirit that brought him out of the grave is the same spirit that lives in you. And all those internal battles that you keep losing, you don't have to. And we have God's word and we have all these examples of people in scripture. And yeah, the Bible is full of people that are heroes that we want to emulate. But the Bible is also full of people that lost a lot. And the reality is that we're more like the people in scripture we choose to overlook than the ones we choose to idolize. We want to think that we're all Peter standing on the day of Pentecost preaching the gospel, but we're more like Judas kissing Jesus on the cheek and denying him more often than not. Come on. We all want to be David slaying Goliath, but most of us are like Saul, cowering in disobedience. And if you don't win the war within, it doesn't matter who's in office. If you don't win the war within, it doesn't matter how even successful you appear. That the destruction is coming from inside. One of the greatest preachers that ever lived, Charles Spurgeon, said this. I read it last week. I'll probably read it every week in this series. It says, beware of no man more than of yourself. We carry our own worst enemies within us. That so often the struggles and frustrations in our lives are a byproduct of self-sabotage. We are too often our own worst enemy. And so many of us for so many years have fallen victim to weapons of self-destruction. And the reality is we don't have to. That there are things that we can learn from God's word and there's power from his spirit to give us victory in those areas. And Saul, the very first king of the nation of Israel, is the poster child for self-sabotage. At every turn, he self-destructed. And I think God gave us his story to say, hey, look, this is what can happen if you don't win within. If you keep allowing yourself to fall victim to your flesh, where you will end up, even if you have some success along the way, where you will end up is not where you desire. And we're supposed to learn from his life. And so last week, we, we started leaning in, walking through his story. Saul, who became the very first king of the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was watching everybody else in the world do things a certain way and believed they needed to do that way, do it that way too. Even though God never intended for them to be ruled by another person, he wanted, God wanted to be their king. He wanted to be their authority. But they wanted somebody to blame and somebody to kind of pass the buck to and saw everybody else choosing a king. So they just kept hounding the prophet of God, Samuel, begging God to give them a king. And once you beg God for so long, sometimes he'll let us have what we want, even though he knows it's not what's best for us. And so Saul becomes king. And, and right in the initial years of his reign, he starts to display these weapons of self-destruction. We leaned into that story last week where he's on the battlefield and he had clear instructions from God. God clearly said through Samuel, wait seven days and then Samuel will come. He will make the burnt offerings and he will put you in a position to have victory. And Saul lets the pressure get to him because pressure is a real thing in life. Amen, somebody. And pressure does different things to different people. 
But most often when pressure builds in our lives, instead of choosing patience, we allow panic to sit in. Emotion takes control, surrender goes out the door, and we just kind of do things that we know we're not supposed to do. And that's exactly what Saul did. And it started him down this road of self-destruction. And what you are going to see is Saul continues to make the same mistakes. Have you ever noticed in your life, I've made a lot of mistakes, but most of them have been the same ones. Am I the only one? my, My mistakes aren't varied. They're frequent, but they're not varied. There's so many of us are falling trapped to falling into the same mistake over and over and over and over again. And I've got a theory about people that keep making the same mistakes. And now, can I just remind you, this is gonna be important for you to know today. When I'm getting the most intense and when you wanna punch me in the face the worst is when I'm talking to myself. I have a theory about people who repeatedly make the same mistakes. You're one of two things. We, we are one of two things. Either number one, dumb. We just, we just can't figure out what we're doing wrong. Or we just think we can keep doing the same old thing and expect a different result. That's insanity. So if we just continue to make the same mistake over and over again, maybe we're just too dumb to learn from it. And so that's why we keep repeating it. Or maybe we're just indifferent. We don't care. We don't care that we keep making the same mistakes. We don't care that we keep hurting the same people. We don't care that we continue to dig ourselves in a pit deeper and deeper and deeper. That if we continue to make the same mistakes, and, and that what I think probably is most likely is most of us are, are making the same mistakes that will model before us for generation to generation. We're making the same mistakes that our parents made, that our, their parents made, and we just can't break the cycle. But something hit me this week. Are you modeling mistakes before people that you love too much to watch them repeat it? Can, can, let me repeat that. Some of us are following that same pattern. We're modeling the mistakes. We're making the mistakes that were modeled before us. But now we have people that are watching us. And some of us are modeling mistakes before people that we love too much to watch them repeat it. And it's time to break the cycle. And we can if we win within. So let's jump back into Saul's life. Move into chapter 14. Again, Saul and the nation of Israel constantly in tension and in conflict with the Philistines and so many other groups of people. His whole life, the Bible says that his whole life was full of bitter war. And one of the things I think we have to start to embrace is if you're waiting for a life without conflict and or tension, you're waiting for something that will never exist. There will all be, always be some measure of conflict and tension in our lives. Come on, somebody. If you're waiting for a life free of conflict and, and free of tension, you know, it's that whole thing, you know, do nothing, be nothing, say nothing. But he's in this war and in his, this tension. And, and as king of Israel, his job is to seek the Lord for direction that if he's ever gonna have a victory, if he's ever gonna figure out how to manage this tension and resolve these conflicts, he's gotta seek the Lord. And so there comes a moment. It's 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 36. Saul said, let's go down and pursue the Philistines by night and plunder them till dawn. And let us not leave one of them alive. Do whatever seems best to you, they replied. 
But the priest said, let us inquire of God here. And right there, you see a moment happen that is crucial to whether or not what we do next in our lives will be of God or of ourselves. He's in a moment where he has to make a decision. What will we do next? And he has one group of people around him saying, do you, boo. Just do you. Do what is, Saul, whatever you think is best is what you should do. Can I just say you, that is terrible advice. That whole concept of, oh, just do, just do whatever, do, we live in a culture that loves to say what, whatever you think's best, you do you. You do you. You do you, and it will not end well. Testify somebody. You being in charge of you has never been a good idea. You're not as smart as you think you are. You don't know things that you think you know. And it's so often that in that arrogant, prideful position, we just run off and we do us. Can I remind you what it says in Proverbs? Proverbs 14, 12. This is why you do you is a bad idea. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. See, you do you says, you know what? You just sit down, you think about it, you weigh it out. You observe everything. There are be, even be moments in your life that what you need to do next seems logical, but it's not biblical. There are times when, when what you do next, the, the logical thing to do is not the biblical thing to do. Think about how many times in Scripture, if people did the next logical thing, how much different the stories in the Bible would have played out. It wasn't logical for David to walk up to Goliath with a couple of rocks. Just because it's logical does not mean it's biblical. And there will be times when what you think is best to do next and what everything even around you says is the right thing is the wrong thing. Or this is my favorite one. Just follow your heart. Can I give you a little goofy preacher line? To follow your heart is rarely very smart. I'm a preaching Dr. Seuss right here in the room. <laughs> to follow your heart is rarely very smart because your heart will lead you places that you don't wanna go. It's that emotional thing that we talked about last week. And even in scripture, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? This whole concept of just do you follow your heart? Now, there's a way that we should go. And the question is, when we find ourselves at that crossroads, will we have been studying this book enough to know whether logically and what our mind is saying and where our heart is leading is aligning with what God has said. Are y'all with me this morning? But did you notice what happens? He's got two groups of people. He's got one group of people saying, Saul, you, man, you just do whatever's best for you. You do you, you follow your heart. Then he's got the priest, the spiritual people saying, maybe, maybe we should talk to God first. And so often what we do next is dependent on which voice we listen to or which voices we have brought into our lives. And the problem is, 
often we self-destruct because we've gathered the wrong people around us. Too often than not, we get insulated by people who offer us validation. We only want people in our ear that will tell us what we want to hear. Come on. We want the people that'll tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. We want those people that'll say, yes, you're great, you're beautiful, you're awesome, just go do it. Do it now, think about the consequences later. Or, y'all ever done this? You make a decision and you call, keep calling people till you get the one that will tell you what you're about to do is right. Don't act like you've never done that. You talk to your mama, your mama says, no, son, that's not right. You talk to your daddy, no, son, that's right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Bojangles and just find a waitress. Like, what should I do? They don't even have waitresses at Bojangles. What am I talking about? But y'all get the principle, right? We ignore all those trusted voices in our lives and we wait until we hear the one moron tell us what we wanna hear. It's gonna be real for 2021, come on, it's just. So often, that's our pattern. We get insulated by the people that only offer us validation. Those people that co-sign on every bad decision that we make. When the better thing to do is not insulate your people, insulate yourself with people who offer you validation, but surround yourself with people that give you wisdom. Surround yourself with people that give you wisdom. Those people that are more spiritually mature than you. Those people who have studied God's word. Those people who have been through the battles and have the scars to show it and say, don't be like me. You see, see this? This was when I did what you're about to do and it still hurts. Which one best describes your life? You tell me which one best describes your life and I'll tell you whether or not you're winning. If you get insulated by people who only wanna offer you validation instead of surrounding yourself with people who want to give you wisdom, you will lose. And Saul's already in that place. And then what happens next is he finally makes the decision to actually pray. 1 Samuel 14, 37. So Saul asked God, Shall I go down and pursue the Philistines? Will you give them into Israel's hand? But God did not answer him that day. And once again, Saul's got to do what we talked about last week. He's got to be patient. Because often when you see God, he doesn't answer the way you want, when you want. Anybody ever, ever felt that? You pray and you see God, he doesn't answer, answer. God will always answer. Sometimes he'll say No. Sometimes he'll say, not now. Sometimes he'll say, yes. But he seeks God. And then finally, the, the prophet Samuel comes and begins to give direction to Saul. Go into chapter 15, verse one. First Samuel 15, verse one. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women and children and infants and cattle and sheep and camels and 
donkeys. Now, right here is one of those times in the Old Testament when we hear God giving directions that we have a hard time wrapping our mind around. And I don't have time to unpack all of that because I want to lean into the principle that's about to be avoided by Saul as he moves forward. But can we all agree what God says through Samuel to Saul is quite clear? Amen? Go attack this group of people and destroy everything. God is very, very clear. So what Saul should do next is attack those people and destroy everything. But Saul continues this pattern believing there is such thing as partial obedience, which we established last week there is not. He goes, he attacks the Amalekites. But if you move into chapter 15, look at verse 9. It says, but Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs and everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So once again, Saul believes that he has the authority to take liberty and shift what God said. Did you see that? God was very clear. We established that before we read that verse. God was very clear when he said, go destroy everything. And now when he's in this moment, he doesn't take the king. He destroys the things he doesn't see as useful, but keeps the things that he believes he can use. And so often a pattern that not only Saul, but we fall into, that whole thing of partial obedience that we'll do this part of what God says, but we find ourselves in a moment when it's inconvenient or it's more than we expected. We think we can just kind of push those little details aside. Come on. And in that moment, God speaks to Samuel's heart and he makes it very clear, Samuel, I regret I made Saul king because he will not follow my instructions. Once again, he's had an opportunity to act in obedience, and once again, he's compromised. He's compromised. Where are we compromising where we know God has made clear? It may not look the way it does or Saul, but how often do we think we can get by following some of what God said, ignoring other parts? Come on, you with me? So Samuel shows up the next morning. Look at Samuel 15. Start with verse 12. It says, early in the morning, Saul got up and went to, excuse me, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. So not only has Saul disobeyed, he's building statues to himself just thinking he's the best thing ever. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, why then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears and why is the, what is this lowing of cattle that I hear? So Samuel shows up on the scene and I don't know if Saul has just so delusional or so convinced himself that what he did was the right thing. Samuel, dude, we won. I follow God's instructions. Perhaps it's because he thinks because he had victory, then what he did was right. 
Look at me, because sometimes it will be successful, but just because it was successful doesn't mean it wasn't sinful. Because see, isn't that how we measure our obedience? If we get the outcome we wanted, we must have done it right. And God's like, no. No. But we pray that. Well, God, I'm just gonna keep walking through until you close the door. God, if you don't want me to have this, make it fall apart. Come on. And then because we got it, we think, must have been God's will. Maybe not. Just because you were successful doesn't mean the way you did it wasn't sinful. And so often, we measure whether or not we were obedient or in the will of God by the outcome we got. And if we got the desired outcome, we can convince ourselves we did it God's way. And that's not always the case. Come on, that's good preaching. Just because it was successful does not mean it wasn't sinful. And I think because, maybe because he's convinced himself, well, we got the victory, so God must be happy. And Samuel's like, oh, really? Follow God's instruction, did you? Why is it I hear these lambs bleating? Why, why do I hear cattle over there making noise? Because if I remember correctly, God was very clear and specific when he said, destroy everything. And I see tons of evidence that you didn't do what he said. <laughs> Saul's response, 1 Samuel 15, 15. Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. <laughs> it was the soldiers. Samuel, like me, I'm Saul. Right, I'm the king. Uh, it, was, it was the soldiers that did that. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Here he goes again. Oh, yeah, those, uh, <laughs> those sheep, those, my bad, like, that was the soldiers. But hey, we, we, we did it for a good reason. As if there's a good reason to ignore what God says. We said, we, we, we're gonna, and notice what he says, we're gonna, we're gonna sacrifice those. Like Samuel, you know, you know about this. God loves for us to, to make sacrifices. He even commands that we make sacrifices and now we've got some really good stuff to sacrifice. And then Samuel says something next that is probably one of the most powerful and poignant things that God's ever said to his people. 1 Samuel 15, 22, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as he does obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than that than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Talk about a spiritual gut punch. Samuel says, Saul, do you think God delights more 
and you slaughtering those animals than he does and you being obedient to what he has said? Which do you think God wants more? That sacrifice of your obedience. But I think what Samuel or what Saul bought into is something that we often buy into and is completely dangerous and destructive in our lives. Can I give it to you? And I'm gonna give it to you exactly the way I wrote it in my journal. Our intentions do not give us permission to ignore God's instructions. Our good intentions do not give us permission to ignore God's instructions. It's as if Saul was saying, Samuel, but we only saved it because we wanted to make sacrifice. Like, Samuel, our, our intentions were good. Our heart was in the right place. And how often do we believe that? That our good intentions somehow give us the permission to ignore God's instructions. Oh, his heart was in the right place. But if our intentions don't lead to actions that align with what God has said, then they'll end up being destructive. Are y'all with me? That might be the most important thing I ever say from this platform. Our good intentions do not give us permission to ignore God's instruction. Have you ever noticed that we judge ourselves by our intentions, but everybody else by their actions? And we just think, oh, but my heart was in the right place. And even we've, we've, I feel like we've almost manipulated when Jesus gave us the greatest commandment. When he makes it very clear, he cares why we do what we do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So that like, be driven by love for God and love for people. But you, I heard a pastor say recently, nobody ever sees what you intended to do, only what you did. Nobody ever hears what you intended to say, only what you said. A guy named Levi Lesko wrote a book called I Declare War, it's great. See, we think that our intentions, because we have good intentions, it somehow gives us permission just to do whatever we wanna do. That's why we live like hell all week and then walk in and sit in church on Sunday and expect God to be impressed. And Saul's like, no, it's not the way it works. Verse 24, it says, Then Saul said to Samuel, Okay, I've sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions, but I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. And right there, Saul begins to realize, to admit that he knew what he was doing wasn't right, and he let being popular become more important than following his purpose. And very rarely can you be purposeful and popular at the same time. There will be oftentimes when those things have to collide with one another and you have to make a choice. It says, now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Verse 26, but Samuel said to him, I won't go back with you. You've rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Samuel turned to leave and saw caught hold of the hem of his robe, tore it. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. 
He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. And now if some of us read that, we don't think it's fair. Because Saul admits that what he was doing was wrong. But I think what's present in Saul is often what's present in us on the other side of mistake. That really all we feel is regret driven by guilt because of the circumstances we're now having to navigate. I need to tell you something, that's not enough. Just regretting the mistake is not enough. Because we will never recover until we allow regret to give way to repentance. If regret never moves us to repentance and when repentance is present, repetition ends. When we truly feel repentant and we reverse course and change and allow God to bring healing and restoration to our heart. And see, Paul tries to unpack that there's a difference. 2 Corinthians chapter seven, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Like Paul was trying to get us like, there's, there's a difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. The worldly sorrow that just makes us feel bad because now we've messed up and we have to deal with the junk on the other side of it. And the only reason why we're sorry is because we don't wanna have to deal with the consequences. It's like when you messed up when you were a little kid, the only reason why you were sorry because you knew you was about to get a whooping. It wasn't because you really acknowledged and knew what you did and wanted to do things different. And repentance is a call to, to change, to reverse course. And if we're ever gonna recover from those mistakes, see, I'm, we're gonna find ourselves like Paul. I mean, excuse me, like Saul, we're gonna find ourselves where we too make those same mistakes and we get on the other side and whether or not we can move forward and experience what God has next will be dependent on whether or not we let that regret truly give way to repentance that brings change. And the reason why there can be change is because Jesus has sacrificed everything necessary to give us that forgiveness. And he's given us that Holy Spirit that gives us the strength to stop making those same decisions and move forward. It's true, God loves you just where you are and the way you are and gave his life so that you could have salvation. But Jesus didn't hang on the cross just for your salvation. He rose from the grave so that you could have transformation and become the new person he created you to be and you can walk forward in victory. Come on, somebody. So you wanna win within? You gotta wrestle with some questions. Think about the people that are around you. Are you more insulated by people that are just only giving you validation? Are you surrounded by people that are offering you biblical wisdom? Are you continuing to believe that your good intentions give you permission to ignore God's instruction? And if so, things are gonna start to unravel. Have you made a mistake? And you've only stopped at regret and never allowed the spirit to push you toward repentance to bring the change that you need? Will you bow your head and close your eyes and just do some work before you walk out of this room today? 
Lord, I pray that right now as we sit in this room and we wait for you to move in us, God, I know there are people in the sound of my voice in this room and watching online. They're tired of making the same mistakes. They're exhausted from it. They're tired of hurting the same people over and over again, including themselves. They're modeling before people they love mistakes they don't wanna watch them repeat. And God, today's the day for us to make some changes. Stop insulating ourselves with people that only validate the things that we wanna do. Start surrounding ourselves with people that give us biblical sound wisdom. God, forgive us for those moments that we have let the enemy convince us that as long as our intentions were good, our actions didn't matter and help us to bring into alignment our intention and our actions so that we can bring you honor and glory. And God, for those of us who right now are just overwhelmed with guilt for the things that we've done. God, the enemy wants to trap us there, keep us stuck, paralyzed by it. But God, you're calling us to repentance, to real change. Thank you for making that change possible. God, may none of us walk away from this experience today without doing the work we need to do with you, having the conversations with you that we need to have and making sure that you're doing in us and through us what you desire to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and opportunities to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.